Hi, I'm Heather Bell, and welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs, where we get together every other week to talk shop with some of the smartest women in ETFs. Today, I'm speaking with Lisa Langley, President, CEO, and founder of Emerge Capital Management, and Catherine Avery, the CEO and CIO of Catherine Avery Investment Management and the sub-advisor for the Emerge Empower Sustainable Dividend Equity ETF, trading under the ticker EMCA. Lisa and Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Heather. So Lisa, I know you head up Emerge Capital Management in the U.S., and you also are the head of Emerge Canada, which looks like it's involved with a partnership with Kathy Wood's ARC. Can you talk about these dueling firms and maybe the differences between them? Uh, certainly. They're affiliates of each other. And thank you so much, Heather, for, for having us on so we can talk to you about Emerge and the Empower story. Uh, Emerge Capital Management uh, started three years before Emerge Canada. So that started in, in the U.S. and our headquarters is in, here in Buffalo, New York, uh, and our sales team uh, is across the country. And then three years after that, in 2019, we started Emerge Canada. Uh, it's headquartered in Toronto and sales team is uh, across the country again. So uh, we launched actually with the Emerge ARC ETS. Uh, so we hired Kathy Wood as our sub-advisor uh, to have... Uh, the sister, Canadian sister ETFs, uh, if you will, of the suite of ETFs that, that ARC themselves has in the U.S. So it was a great opportunity for us to get the firm started. Uh, and Kathy really has been the first woman portfolio manager uh, that we have worked with and advocated for uh, ever since 2016 uh, in the U.S. And uh, we're really excited uh, with the launch of Empower. We had been working on that for several years, got a little slowed down because of COVID, uh, but we were able to launch this past September on both sides of the border. So our Canadian affiliate, Emerge Canada, uh, very important uh, to us, and we work very closely together, uh, the two firms, and they're you know strategically head office to head offices about an hour and 45 minutes away from each other. So uh, also geographically very close. Empower launched September 8th and 9th, and we were able, uh, with great business partners, to do five ETFs in the U.S. and five ETFs in Canada within days of each other. Uh, really did something, you know, an industry first. Uh, you know, they're all active, they're all sustainable, and they all just happen to be managed by senior women portfolio managers with a lot of experience. That's awesome. What led you to found the firm, or both firms, as it were? <laughs> Well, I've all through my career, and I'm a 35-year industry vet, and I've had a piece of this and a slice of that and shares of this and incentives at that, and I truly wanted to start from scratch and prove that I could build something that was really equality-centric, uh, centric, diversity-oriented, and that we really could step out and prove that emerging managers be they women, be they minorities, uh, that we could earn our place in the industry. And it's really about having that opportunity. So I, I believe that we could create a structure that would be successful and I'm deeply committed to it. And it's something that 
you know, I hope and pray will be an everlasting wealth management organization on both sides of the border and hopefully one day in Europe and other countries as well. And we're deeply committed to that. That's awesome. Catherine, um, I know you have your own firm and you're sub-advising one of the Emerge ETFs. What led you into this field? Well, it was actually, it came out of nowhere. I was a college student at New York University and I needed a part-time job. And somehow or other, I landed at the doorstep of the Oppenheimer Funds. And I became the college kid who worked there part-time during the school year, full-time during the summers, and absolutely fell in love with the business. That's awesome. Lisa, could you talk about maybe what gave you the idea to start a series of actively managed funds that are solely managed by women? And Catherine, could you maybe weigh in on what drew you to the concept as well? The idea came from meeting and talking to all these women portfolio managers. Actually, it started in 2018. We held a summit for emerging the women of emerging managers in New York City. And we invited everyone to just tell us what their challenges were, you know, what their story was. And we learned a lot. Then we met some fantastic women portfolio managers. And we, you know, were going to emerging manager events all across the country talking to more and more and finding out what their issues were and you know how difficult it was to raise assets, how difficult it was to have a simple thing, which is not simple, which is having your own track record, how difficult it was to get mitts on money uh, and actually you know be paid what you're worth. And so all of these things were, were coming to the to the forum. And then most importantly, that we have a, a, a true industry issue in that we do not have any regulatory required disclosure of who's running money under the hood and where this information may be available at certain states, but it's not unique to the investment industry. We don't have it. And so we're great at analyzing performance six ways to Sunday. We're great at understanding what's inside of it, of a fund, uh, but we're not good at diversity elements relative to the investment management industry. And investments database only has 19% of firms and 8% of all of the assets. We're talking about a base of about 37.3 trillion that are reported on investment. Only 8% of those assets of those firms are answering diversity questions. So it's a problem in the industry that's been swept under the carpet for a long time. And I, I thought that maybe finally we could send an industry message that we could build a program that would be all women portfolio managers, but exceptional women portfolio managers who have great track records, who have incredible skills like Catherine Avery, who ha, you know, have been there and done that and, and manage money in all types of weather and also have it be sustainable because Truly, we wouldn't even be true to ourselves if we didn't hold those principles of, of ESG near and dear as we do. So we created a sustainability team at Emerge and we offer sustainability overlay and we're responsible for every stock uh, in an oversight manner uh, that every single one of the empower managers or sub-advisors selects. So it was important for us to send that industry message. I believe that we did. Uh, and now we're trying to follow up on it so that we can prove our case that women can run ETF strategies and do a fantastic job. 
that sustainability works and it doesn't impact or take away from performance and that we can gather assets. So we're we're on a mission to prove these three things. So it's, um, you know, it kind of takes a village to get these things going. So, um, you know, part, partnering uh, with Lisa uh, on this ETF um, has been a great experience and a great way to deliver what the industry has actually been asking for. Um, pretty much every large Wall Street firm out there has a DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion division at their firm. Um, so they, they're, they're looking for more diversity in their investments. Um, and here we are a firm able to deliver it to them. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that with the exposure of the ETF um, and having several women managing different funds that we're able to get the word out there saying, you guys are asking for this. We are giving it to you. Um, so, you know, come along and help us out here. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy to start your own firm. Um, I'll just give you an instance. Um, I have all, I've been managing money for over 35 years. Um, when I started my own firm, I was basically told, well, let's see how you do in your own firm. Um, we want to see a track record at least three to five years. Three to five years later, seven years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, here we are. Um, you know, KM has achieved a top quartile track record outperforming their benchmark. Um, and the industry comes back to us and says, oh my gosh, well, you got a track record, but you're too small. <laughs> so we couldn't get the assets because we didn't have a track record. And now we can't get the assets because they say that we're too small. Um, having an ETF um, allows us to, to have a little bit more exposure in the industry and allowing us to go down the ladder of who's available to be able to, to purchase the investments and gain water exposure for it. That's a wild catch 22 though, Catherine. Yes. <laughs> Could either of you speak to like how you view active management? Because, you know, the ETF industry has typically been dominated by passive uh, management and you've, you know, there's a launch of five actively managed ETFs. And I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Well, the, the CAGR on the ETF industry is 27% globally and a larger and larger share of new product launches are on the active side. In fact, active ETFs in Canada are actually growing faster than passive ones. Mm -hmm. So I do know it's the existing majority of the assets, Heather, and you make a good point, and certainly more and more active ones are coming out. And in our particular case, if you look at Catherine Avery's uh, ETF, you know, it has 30 securities, it's highly concentrated. You know, she's a master at, you know, picking stocks with dividends that, you know, continually increase and she stays right on top of that. And so it's actively traded. And that's a critical, important factor in being able to react to volatile markets, being able to react to changes uh, in the marketplace, which we certainly have seen, uh, especially throughout last year and, you know, with a lot of things that we have in the market mix for this year coming up. Heather, I think you and I were talking a little bit about this before, you know, um, disciplines go in and out of favor, styles of management go in and out of favor. Um, and I think, you know, for the past 10 years, active uh, passive management 
looked like it was like a great idea and was going to continue forever, but nothing ever continues forever, right? <laughs> so um, I think as we, you know, as people start to realize that equity returns are going to possibly start to normalize and we're going to probably go back to an environment, a total return environment of somewhere between six to 8% on investments, looking at just a passive index is not going to help you through that kind of a marketplace. But having someone who can actively manage it, manage it and maneuver the portfolio to go with the flow in what's happening in the financial markets is going to be helpful. Um, we don't have a passive index that mimics exactly what the Empower Sustainable Dividend Growth does. Um, we, are, we are a hybrid of dividend growth, above average dividend, sustainability, quality. You cannot find an ETF that's passive that matches that. And all you have to do is look at the returns over the, not only just the past year, but over the past 10 years. And they've proven to have a consistent, reliable growth pattern uh, where people can achieve some sort of alpha and return. Um, and I think having all these different qualities pulled together gives a lot of comfort to the individual investor. Lisa, you had mentioned earlier how, you know, sustainability is important to your investment thesis. And I was wondering, could you kind of talk about what kind of drives that devotion, I guess, or that um, belief in sustainability, especially at a time when ESG is kind of getting a lot of backlash from certain circles? You're, you're quite right. It is. And I think it's appalling. Sadly, in the U.S., the issues become politicized because we seem to have an issue drilling our own oil. And my exposure to the Canadian environment is that they have no problem drilling their own oil. And uh, in fact, ESG and sustainable strategies in Canada from 2019 to 2021 grew on over 245%. And there was cool. huge growth in the, in the U.S. as well. Uh, I think it was uh, just under 150%, close to 140% if I remember the numbers correctly, and Ernst & Young did a great uh, study on all of this about how investors are interested, 65% of investors are very concerned about it. So you know, Larry Fink may have his issues, and I certainly think that's because of, you know, just using computer screens and models to try to remove stocks from passive strategies. But we take a real approach to sustainability, a practical approach, if we didn't have oil, we wouldn't have planes in the sky and none of us would be able to go anywhere. But, you know, in Catherine's strategy, and she's been an advocate of ESG for a long time, and then we have our sustainability overlay on top of that, she selected responsible refiners who actually earn money from renewables and are, you know, making continued investments in developing even more renewable energy. And we think those are smart commitments. So we take a practical approach to it. When you go into the S and the G, well, that's where really we come in. We wholeheartedly believe that companies should be responsible stewards of their employees, so they're not rife with lawsuits, that you know they're taking good care of them, that they should be responsible to their constituents, their clients, uh, to their community, and try to be the best stewards of the opportunity that they have to serve and, and add value. And I think in their industry in particular, so companies that have 
fines and companies that you know have controversies. And so we're very careful about that and making sure uh, that those are being addressed and managed responsibly because no company you know doesn't ever have anything. Uh, but the other thing is we take a deep dive on gender and we want to see more than two token women directors and minority directors. And we would also like to see women and minorities in senior management, in executive management. So we use two databases to complement our work, but it doesn't address everything that we're looking for. So you have to do more than that. And really solid approaches to sustainability require true work effort. It's not something that you just say, okay, I'm going to screen for this and I'm going to screen for that. Uh, and so I think that that's really the backlash that the industry is experiencing, that they're screening for things that philosophically they can't even explain them all. And then they're complaining about it when others aren't happy with that. Uh, I think if you can take a practical approach, uh, sustainability is not slowing down. Uh, it continues to grow steadily in Europe. And funny, in, in Europe, of course, it's more environmental based. And, and here in the U.S., it, it appears to be more DEI based. Uh, but one thing is for sure, it has solid momentum. It's extremely important. It's table stakes. Uh, and I really believe that, you know, these political issues, you know, will subside over time because they don't really understand what they're doing. Catherine, how do you view uh, sustainability in uh, your management approach? Well, Lisa and I are very much in line with that. This has to be a very practical approach. Um, and her comments about, um, you know, companies and lawsuits and fines, et cetera, these things are very important to us. And they're important to us because they have financial and they have stock price impact. Companies that are wrought with lawsuits constantly have fines, have negative headline risk. Negative headline risk creates volatility in equities. Okay, we want to avoid that. And that's, that's why taking a practical approach to ESG is important. We've been doing ESG for many, many years, um, especially on the governance side. You cannot take uh, a dividend portfolio and not have good governance, right? Because you have to have a board that's committed to paying the shareholder. They have to understand that the business has to function and operate properly to deliver the cash flow and the earnings to be able to, to pay out those dividends and increase those dividends. So having a practical approach is really important. We don't avoid any sectors. We work for companies who certainly want to be on board with, with an ESG policy. Um, we have found that most of the company, I shouldn't say most, I would say all of the companies that we are currently invested in, and I would say 95% of the companies that screen for us do have an ESG policy in place because of that dividend commitment, I think is, is what drives them to that. Companies that pay dividends tend to be more shareholder centric than most, and they're aware of the impact that if something goes wrong in their business, if there are lawsuits, et cetera, that come about, it's going to it's going to affect their bottom line. Affecting the bottom line is going to affect the stock price and affect their ability to, to pay the dividends. I, I have often explained ESG to people as you are basically looking to avoid the lawsuits of the future right. when you invest in an ESG policy. I don't know if that's the correct perspective, but yes. like it aligns with your definition. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it amounts to. I was wondering if you might be able to speak to any like personal experiences that may have like on your part, Lisa, informed your decision to 
start a firm like Emerge? And Catherine, what might have, if anything in your past experience might have driven you to manage a fund in Emerge's lineup? Well, I would say that's a, a, a very impactful question because it takes you back to so many experiences that, you know, solidified the feeling that you're a bit of a warrior, you know, if you're in my milieu, you know, between, you know, 50 and 60 and you're in this industry and, you know, you've, you've done, tried to accomplish a few things, you definitely feel like a soldier. Uh, and it's so tough. It's so gut tough uh, that you have to uh, compete without ever, you know, we were trained to never make an issue of being a woman. Uh, in fact, to make that almost as invisible and innocuous as possible. Uh, to compete and and have better performance and uh, never you know just fit in right because you're always the minority you know you're there's never very many women uh, and so as you rise through the ranks there's even less and less women uh, so that is uh, a very significant issue and when it came to this you know I finally said to myself well if we just let this industry secret keep staying underneath the carpet and we never expose it for the lack of disclosure that it is. If we never try to get a law, you know, move forward that forces regulatory compulsory disclosure of diversity in this industry, then, you know, what will we ultimately, what will I ultimately stand for? And to have something that's measurable. Once we have these programs and they are rock solid successful, no one's ever going to be able to refute the fact that a group of women who have significant experience can't run money and they can't do it sustainably and they can do it with, you know, strong performance and really, you know, prove the game. So I've so desperately wanted to do that because of so many obstacles I have faced, which are too many to mention. But what they they do is, you know, they may put a lash on your back. Uh, but they're the thing that wakes you up in the morning because you want to do it differently. You want to create equal opportunities. You want to make sure that talent gets a chance to be heard. I want everybody to know about Catherine Avery. I want everybody to know about Kate Faddis. I want everybody to know about Jane Lee and Josephine Jimenez. And I want to try to give them the platform that they deserve. And it should have been easier. And everybody should already know about these great women. Everybody should already know all about Catherine Avery. And so I'm hopeful that we can accomplish that. It's really, you know, my driving objective. That's so amazing. Catherine, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, well, Lisa just said it all. I think you can actually see why I would want to partner with somebody like Lisa. Um, she firmly believes in this. She's committed to it. Um, and she's, she, supports, she supports women. And um, she wants to see these great strategies um, do well. Catherine and Lisa, we'll have to end it there. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was really interesting and a very uh, enlightening discussion. Greatly appreciated, Heather. Thank you for giving us an opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Heather. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Lisa. Listeners, thanks for joining us as well. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. For all episodes of ETF Working Lunch, please check out ETF.com or any of the major podcast platforms. See you next time.